0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Greetings and welcome back to the program again this week. And thank you for tuning in every week at the same time. I trust you are telling your friends about this and you're watching regularly and being blessed by the Word of God uh, that we're sharing on the program. We are in a series on the book of Romans, and we are in the second uh, uh, program filming on chapter 10. We've been filming this for some time in studio, and then when we finish uh, airing them, we share them on our YouTube channel so you can go back and watch them at your leisure. These are literally, I think, uh, probably college courses that you could, t- I mean, I-, I-, I have so enjoyed this series because it has really reestablished and reconfirmed my faith in the gospel of grace and the gospel of the new covenant because it is probably one of Paul's most incredible treaties of New Testament truth as he begins to explain what Jesus did in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And uh, so we are uh, in chapter uh, uh, 10. Let me again say to you though that this book of Romans is a letter. So it is meant to be read, not in a, uh, you know, not in like a chunk here, and then two weeks from now read another chunk. It's like if you got a letter from your husband, your wife, or your son, your daughter. Uh, it is meant to be read in one setting, because if you don't, you miss the point of the whole theme of this book. And the whole theme of this book is what Uh, the gospel is about is a righteousness, a right standing with God. That's what the word righteousness doesn't necessarily mean you glow in the dark. It, it is a word that it has kin to the word, I, when I was in Portugal, the word righteousness, or not Portugal, when I was in Brazil, the Portuguese language translates the, book of, uh, the word righteousness with justice or justification. So he's talking about the fact that we've been put in right relationship and right standing with God on the basis of our faith. The first three chapters, especially of the book of Romans, he indicts everything and everybody, insiders, outsiders, Jew, Gentile, bond-free, Greek, Jew, and puts them all in the same sinking boat, the message, Bible says. He concludes all under sin so that he can have mercy on all. And then he begins to shift from the diagnosis to the deliverance, and he brings the story of Abraham, who by faith believed God, and God counted it to him for righteousness. Now, I shared last week about uh, the righteousness, again, I, I, I did a review a little bit about the righteousness of faith, that Abraham, when God called him to go up the mountain, took Isaac, his son, and when he did, he saw a ram caught in the thicket. And the ram caught in the thicket to me is a powerful picture of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ because uh, hundreds of years later they would crush a crown of thorns down on the head of Jesus. He would become the ram caught in the thicket where God had provided Himself a sacrifice. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself by not counting men's sin against them. So that, that the shift is, that my righteousness and right standing with God is not on the basis of, did I keep every rule, did I cross every T, did I jot every I? The reality of it is, is that my right standing with God and my relationship with Him is based wholly and solely on my faith in what Jesus did. So it takes the focus off of me and puts the focus on Him. That's the whole theme of the book, this tenth chapter of the book of Romans. Now, nine of Romans is the lead up to this. The last verse of it says, why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by works, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. It's amazing to me how many people are still stumbling at the stumbling stone and the rock of offense. Jesus was that rock, and they stumbled at the rock and could not receive. You know, and the thing of it is, is I think you cannot look at these people and say they were ignorant, because they knew the scriptures verbatim and could quote the entire five books of the Bible, the first five books, by the time they were in what we would probably call primary school and they knew the Word of God, and they knew these stories concerning the promise that God would make. They knew the stories of Abraham, and then Jesus comes on the scene, and they miss their Messiah, and continue to refuse to receive their salvation and their redemption, watch this, from the curse of the law, curses they'd called on themselves. If you read the book of Deuteronomy, in the latter part, they are calling heaven and earth to witness against them and all of these curses. And God sent Jesus to redeem them, even from the curse of the law being made a curse for us, so that when He said, it is finished, what was finished was every requirement that the law could make on you had been fully so com- fulfilled in Christ that we could receive a righteousness that was given, listen to this, as a free gift. Because of the abundance of grace and the gift. We can't, we can't miss that. The gift of righteousness, not something you earned. What part of gift don't we understand? The gift of righteousness, then here's what happens. We reign in life by one Christ Jesus. Matthew 5 says that, uh, Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets, I came to fulfill it. That is exactly what He did in His earth walk, In His uh, 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 death, burial, and resurrection, when He cries out, it is finished, one of the things that He's saying is finished is the covenant with death has now been fully met because the wages of sin were death. That's why Jesus came and died, so that He could roll that together like a great scroll and say, a new covenant I'm going to make with you after those days where I'm going to write my law on your heart and your sins and iniquities, I will remember no more. What a powerful promise. But here we are just like sometimes. I think it's a tragedy that here we are 2022 and we're still doing what these Jews are doing, that he's admonishing them. They're trying to go about uh, to establish their own righteousness based on the law, and they're stumbling at the stone and the rock of offense, but he said, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And then he comes into chapter 10, which was not a separation of chapters in the original language, and says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God and not according to knowledge. And they, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God, which is the free gift that I just told you about for Christ, this is so incredible to me. This is as clear as I can make the gospel for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to every one who believes. Now, I don't know about you, but that puts my faith on a whole nother level. He goes for Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, that the man who does these things shall live by them. In other words, if you're going to do the law, you're guilty. If you're guilty of one, you're guilty of the whole thing. But the righteousness of faith speaks on this wise. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is, the word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on Him shall not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, I, I think that what has to be uh, really emphasized here, I, I was going through Facebook the other day, and, you know, I have so many people that follow my public profile and my personal profile, that I, every concept and idea you can imagine is out there, and there was a big argument on somebody's post there about okay, uh, it, it, uh, that that uh, salvation and redemption was only to the Jews, and so we they were we were never lost, and so this was all just for you know the Jewish people, and it was like okay, uh, anything else is outside of that you know was like the ten tribes of Israel, the lost sheep, but here he's telling you that the gospel is not. As a matter of fact, he's about to tell you that the gospel, or the good news, is about to be taken from the nation of Israel and given to the nation producing the fruit. In other words, simply people who believe. But he goes on to say that there's no distinction here between Jew and Greek. This is vitally important because once again, we're going to come into chapter 11 after a while, and we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about the vine and the branches being grafted in, and a lot of people want to make distinctions again and say, well, you know, God still owes natural Israel something. He's telling you there's no distinction between Jew or Greek. There's no special deal on the table. There's only one way in, there's only one name given under heaven whereby men must be saved, and that's at the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow, every tongue will swear that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But I love this because He's telling him there is neither distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord over all is rich to all who simply call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so He's including here, and I love this because Paul became one of the greatest apostles Not to just the Jew, but also to the Greek and to the Gentiles and God whose mystery was unfolding that there would be a powerful inclusion of both Jew and Gentile, that was literally the mystery that had been hid from ages, was that God was going to use, I believe, first of all, natural Israel to be a priest of nation of priests to include the rest of the world, to include them into the covenants of promise. But because Israel as a nation failed, God raised up Jesus, who was the fulfillment of that Israel, that in thee shall all all the nations of the earth be blessed, that through the seed that came from Abraham clear up through the promises of God was now inclusive of both Jew and Gentile, that he would take down the middle wall of partition and include both Jew and Gentile in the covenants of promise, and it would be by faith, not by works. Now let me just show you something that I think is incredibly powerful, and we may take more than one segment to do this, but I want to introduce it in this one. Because I I do a whole message on this, and uh, it's impossible to kind of do it in a 25-30 minute segment. But Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, in verse number 8 through 22, says, Therefore shall you keep all the commandments which I command you this day, that you may be strong and go in and possess the land, whether you go to possess it and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed the land that flows with milk and honey. For the land whither thou goest to possess it is not like the land of Egypt from where you came out, where you sowed your seed and watered it with your foot as a garden of herbs. But the land where you're going to possess it is a land of hills and valleys and drinks the water of the rain of heaven. And the land which the Lord your God cares for and the eyes of the Lord are always upon it from the beginning of the year, even unto the end of the year. And it shall come to pass, if you will hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, and to serve Him with all your heart, with all your soul, that I will give you the rain of your land in due season, the first rain and the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn, and thine wine, and thine oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, and that thou mayest eat, and be full, and take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside, and serve other gods, and worship them." And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and shut up the heavens, that there be no rain, and that that land yield not her fruit, and lest you perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord gives you. Therefore shall you lay up these words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand, that you may be as frontlets between your eyes, and you shall teach your children, speaking of them, which thou, when you sit in your house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of thine house, and upon thy gates, that your days may be may be multiplied. Watch this. And the days of your children, in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, to give them as the days of heaven on earth. For it sh- if you diligently keep all these commands which I command you to do them, and if you love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways and cleave unto Him. Now, let me just tell you that He's promising them, here's the deal. I want to give you the days of heaven on earth. It looks to me like if God started this thing in a garden where everything you need was divinely supplied, and you just walk with God out of relationship, it was an absolute paradise that that would be what God's original intention was for us. Now you can see the digression of how when Adam lost that, they are now hundreds of years later in the land of Egypt, slaves and in bondage to the king of Egypt. And God is wanting to bring them out of Egypt into a promised land. And He says, I want to give you as the days of heaven on earth, that that would be God's desire. And I think that it's important to say this, because when Jesus comes on the scene, He starts to preach, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, what I want for you is now available. And what is now available is coming through the Messiah who was now on the scene. Oh, there's so much in my heart to say to you. But Hebrews, the fourth chapter tells us, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us of entering into His promise and His rest, any of you would seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word not mixed with faith did not profit them, And then he goes on to tell you that if Joshua had given them rest, there would not have been spoken another day, but Christ would be the fulfillment of the rest that God had promised them, so that the promised land, in Hebrews the fourth chapter, is not a piece of real estate. The promised land and the uh, ability to live the days of heaven on earth were going to come as a result of entering into His rest and entering into His finished work because what happens is the only way you can enter into rest is to realize the work's been finished and to mix it with faith. And you say, well, the God that says Hebrews 4, the gospel was preached to them as well as unto us. Well, when was the gospel preached to them in the wilderness when they came out of Egypt? Well, it was preached when the blood was put on the doorpost of their house. It was preached whenever the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. It was preached when the manna fell in the backyard, because Jesus fulfilled all of those in the New Testament. He says, I'm the true bread. And even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And and, uh, uh, they take a lamb out from among the sheep and the goats, and they put blood on the doorpost, and even the night before Jesus is crucified, they eat the Passover. Everything about this was screaming, your promised land is not a piece of real estate. Your promised land is rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so uh, he begins to tell them in the book of Deuteronomy, I want to give them the days of heaven on earth. And see, I think one of the biggest problems we have in the church is we have made the gospel about how I can get from here to there, instead of realizing that what God wants to do is get what's happening there to operate here and give us the days of heaven on earth, that righteousness, peace, and joy located in the Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. But it's righteousness, peace, and joy It's located in the Holy Ghost. And the first step of this is we realize that there has to be a righteousness that comes by faith, because the moment you get your faith on the righteousness of God like Abraham did, take it off of yourself and put it on the sacrifice, and start to believe God, then your peace comes. The moment I realized I was righteous on the basis of what He did as a free gift, my peace came. Then once my peace came back, my joy started to come. And I started to realize I could enjoy my journey, and God wanted to give me this land who the Lord cares for, the, that He that He was working in. Now let me just uh, uh, deal with this, because I need to get this before we get here. Because if it, you read it in Deuteronomy, chapter number 10, it looks like all of this stuff is predicated or based on whether or not you kept the commandments because all of 10 is if you keep this commandment, it's not far from you. It's this, you know, and, uh, you know, he tells them, you know, if you write it on your, uh, the frontlets of your eyes and on the doorpost of your house, and if you can keep all these laws, and I'm gonna bless your kids, your cows, your cash, I'm gonna bring you the days of heaven on earth. Except when you read uh, Deuteronomy, it looks like then I, there's no way I'm gonna be able to fulfill this. But when you read over here and uh, watch this, because Paul, when he quotes, Romans 8, he is quoting, when Paul is quoting who shall ascend into heaven to bring up Christ, he's quoting Deuteronomy 30. What? let me make this comparison. Verse 30 of, uh, this is Deuteronomy the 30th chapter. It said, For this commandment which I command thee this day is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. It's the commandment. The commandment I give you this day, it is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off it is not in heaven that you would say, who will go up for us to bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Now what's he saying here? The commandment, which I command you, it's not in heaven that you would say, who will go up for us to bring it unto us that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you would say, who will go over the sea and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh thee, in thy mouth and in thine heart that thou mayest do it. Now that's Deuteronomy saying, who will go up to heaven to bring the words of the law down? Who will get the commandment? Who will go across the sea and bring this commandment to us, that we may hear it and do it? But look, when you start to see the Romans version of this, uh, let I me, mean, let me grab this real quick here, but when you start to see the Romans version of this, you compare this, He says, uh, Romans 6, but the righteousness of faith speaks on this wise, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Now wait a minute. Paul is quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Who will go up to heaven to bring the words of this commandment down? That we may hear it and do it. But he replaces the word commandment in Romans chapter 10, by saying, that is, who, who, but the righteousness of faith speaks on this way, do not say in your heart who will send it heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above. Not the words of the law. Christ. Why? Because we just read it to you. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. In other words, every requirement that was in Deuteronomy, 10 for the days of heaven on earth, is all about your performance. But in the New Covenant, it's predicated or based on what Jesus did, who did ascend up to heaven. Watch this now. For the righteousness of faith speaks on this wise, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall ascend into the abyss? That is to bring up Christ from the dead. But what does this what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So once again, he's quoting this in Deuteronomy. He said, who will ascend up to heaven to bring the words of this law to us that we may hear it and do it? Romans 10, Paul quoting that scripture, except replacing the law with Christ, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, says the word of faith, uh, or, or that, that the, the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise, who will ascend up to heaven to bring down, not the words of the law, but Christ from above. Or who, And Deuteronomy he said, or who will go across the sea, that is to bring the words of this law to us, that we may hear it and do it. But in Romans, he says, who will descend into the abyss, which is the word that could be translated sea. And I'll get into this in another segment, but it's also the word that's used in the book of Revelation that deals with the idea of Satan being cast into a bottomless pit. For the thing that will bind the devil and Satan is going to be a revelation of the truth of the righteousness which is by faith in Jesus, because Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes, so that when He says, who will ascend up to heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. The word of faith that we preach is not whoever dies with the most stuff wins. We've made the word of faith about getting stuff. And I do believe you can believe God for things. But what you see, even in Matthew, uh, Matthew's gospel, where he says, but if, uh, he says, but if you'll seek first the kingdom and his, his, his righteousness, not mine, his righteousness, then all these things are added to you. In other words, the days of heaven on earth, the blessing, yes. I'll bless you in the field, bless you in the city, bless you coming in, bless you coming out. But the emphasis is not on the blessing. The emphasis is first of all on seeking first the kingdom and His righteousness, because when you seek His righteousness, which is as a free gift, then we reign in life by one Christ Jesus, and heaven starts to invade the earth and God begins to bless our kids, our cows, and our cash. Because if you look at Abraham, Abraham became rich. I'm certainly not preaching against prosperity. I'm talking about what will produce not only prosperity, but the blessing of the Lord that will make a man rich and add with it no sorrow. There's a lot of people who have a lot of riches that with it was added sorrow. But when you seek first the kingdom and his, not mine, but his righteousness, then all of these things are added to you. I think these are powerful keys in Romans 10. He's telling you that the Jews missed this blessing because they stumbled at the stone of offense." They they they've they, they, they tried to establish their own righteousness based on their works, based instead of based on faith, because they're looking to the Deuteronomy version of, if you keep these rules, all the commandments, then I'm going to bless you, and your, the reign of heaven is going to come on you, and you're going to have the days of heaven on earth. But see, when you read that in Deuteronomy 10, and I've heard it preached in that, and, and people start preaching all of it. If you keep all these rules and commandments, and then the first thing you do, you walk away and say, well, you know, the truth of it is, is I can't meet the Christ. I can't keep all those rules. Thank God that in the book of Deuteronomy he quotes who will send up to heaven to bring the commandment down, but Paul says Christ was the end of the law. He was the fulfillment of everything that required so that we can now say who will ascend up to heaven, that is to bring down Christ from above, or who shall ascend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. Because His death, burial, and resurrection Met the criteria for everything that was required under the law, so that the resurrection of Christ was the signal that no longer were we under the curse of the law, but salvation was now available, not just to the Jew only, but to whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I'm telling you, that's the word of faith that needs to be preached all over the world is to get people to believe into righteousness. And so you say, well, I'd come and serve God, but I can't, I can't, I I can't, I can't live it. To that I respond and say, welcome to the club. None of us can live it on the basis of our own strength, but when we allow God to begin to write His law on our hearts, Him to work His nature inside of us, that outflows. See, once you receive your, your righteousness by faith, what you really believe, you act on because right believing will produce right living. We're out of time, so if you'd like to sow a seed into this ministry, we do need your help to preach the gospel around the world. So if you'd like to sow a seed in the ministry, the easiest way to do that is to go to our website there. There is a portal, or you can scan the code on there, and it'll take you directly to a portal where you can give via credit card or debit card through our PayPal portal. You can also call the number on our screen, and someone will take your call. If you don't receive an answer, leave a message, we will return your call. Also, you can send a check or money order to that number. That'll come up on the screen, or the address on the screen. And we do need your help, so do it today. God bless you. Join us again. I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am.